This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. And uh, if you want to help support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, or you can simply leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us out a ton. Also, follow me and Tiny on Letterboxd. Our usernames are obsessiveviewer and obsessivetiny, respectfully. I need to update mine quite a bit. Oh, uh, me too. Yeah, I'm behind on mine. Uh, Tiny, how's it going? Wonderful. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, also, before we get started, this this week we're talking about TV One Season Wonders. Um, but before that, we're going to talk a little bit about some news, uh, movie and TV related news. Um, but before that, I want to mention that uh, uh, next week I, we will have a bonus episode devoted to 112263 in which I am. It's just me and I'm joined by uh, uh, Brian Davids from uh, Film Schlub's podcast. Um, it was a lot of fun chatting with him and finally getting him on the podcast. And I'm excited for you guys to listen to it next week. Um, also last week, um, on the podcast, we, uh, talked about, uh, or I put a, um, a review of Stagecoach that I, that I had recorded in an episode that we didn't release. Um, and I was telling this to Tiny off off mic, but it's kind of funny. I don't know if I'd say funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, there were static issues throughout the recording um, at the time that we recorded it. And so I mentioned that I might throw, if listeners don't mind uh, the sound quality, which that section of the podcast that I put into last week's episode was actually pretty clean. Um, then we'd put it out as a full episode, which I might still do that. I'll probably still do that. But it was kind of funny because when I was record or when I was editing last week's episode and um, I got to the point where I was editing that clip and putting it in there, I suddenly realized that part of the reason why I didn't release it or didn't uh, take the time to really edit it and try to cut out the static cleanly enough uh, was that we recorded it like a week after my dad passed away. <laughs> right. And if you go back and listen to that, like you can tell like from our episode last week and the section that I put in the podcast um, uh, talking about Stagecoach, there's a very, very, very big drop in the sound of my voice. Um, <laughs> so that was another reason why I didn't release that episode is because I wasn't in a good frame of mind when recording it. But um, still, I'm going to edit it and then I think we're going to make it into a B-roll episode next week. Um, cool. Probably, hopefully. So That's hilarious. That. Oh, it's hilarious. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, knee slapper. <laughs> yeah, bringing, uh, bringing the podcast in. <laughs> <laughs> on a positive note um or oh jesus anyway um <laughs> so anyway so so news tiny we don't really we i mean we've been kind of doing little brief news segments here and there on the podcast recently yep um and this week we have quite a bit we do um yeah so let's just run through these these will be brief i haven't really researched them as much as i would have liked to but um the title for the standalone um or, or the uh the fifteenth Spider Man reboot <laughs> um in as many years. Um the title for it, the Marvel slash Sony co produced one, uh was released. It's gonna be called Spider Man Homecoming, which 
it is what it is. That's, it just sounds bad. It it does, but I don't know. I'm apparently I think it has some ties to the comics, or it okay. has some relevance to the comics. But our friends at the Nerds You're Looking For podcast, who they know more about the stuff than we do, so check out their recent episode reviewing The Walking Dead season six is where they bring it up. Um, but um, or the, they brought up the the different titles that were leaked or whatever but th- that was one of the titles in contention um that were rumored to be and <laughs> uh they brought up that it seems it sounds more like it's a homecoming dance yeah um, exactly that's yeah. I, that's exactly what i thought of yeah so i thought th- i thought that was funny so check them out at the nerdspodcast.com oh man yeah um speaking of marvel um Doctor Strange trailer came out. Yeah, it kind of yeah. like came out of nowhere. It kind of did. Last, I think last week they they kind of teased it or they they announced that it was going to come out. But but okay. yeah, it just it kind of came out. Uh, what did you think of it, Tiny? It looks pretty strange. Uh, hey, I thought, it, I thought it looked pretty doctor, but you know, <laughs> nice, stupid. Yeah, I don't know. I th- I feel like ninety nine percent of the people who exist in the world don't even know who Doctor Strange is, and I am among them. Um, so it's hard to be excited about it. I think even mm-hmm. with the trailer. Um, and my, uh, no homo love for Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> um, yeah, it just looks kind of weird. I'm, I'm not overly excited about it, but, uh, I'll definitely see it. Yeah. I mean, it looks, it looks good. I, I, I'm, I love Benedict Cumberbatch and, uh, I mean, at this point I'm just a Marvel zombie. Yeah. Um, I mean, any, unless they do like, unless they release something of like Fantastic Four or to a much lesser extent, Batman v Superman. If the, if they fumble something that badly, that's when I'll start having concerns over it. But even with their um, persistent villain problem, I still have fun with these movies. So I'll still see it sight and seen, um, no matter what. Um, the trailer looked cool. I I didn't. I only watched it once. I've been I've been trying to kind of wean myself off of watching trailers or trying to dissect trailers so I didn't I didn't really pay full attention to it but it kind of seemed like part of it was uh like there was a part at the end where uh Stephen Strange says teach me and it just feels like another origin story kind of thing so yeah. I don't know I don't know the context of it or anything like that but I'm a little weary for that but like I said I'm a Marvel zombie so uh moving right along other news uh by the way Doctor Strange comes out like November I think okay. um yeah, uh, we're not very prepared here, <laughs> but uh, the next piece of information is is kind of kind of positive or kind of exciting. Uh-huh. Um, they confirmed that Ben Affleck is going to direct and star in a solo Batman movie, and I think it said that it should come out in the next five years. So, hmm. Tiny, what are your thoughts on this after seeing Batman v Superman? Well, seeing as how personally, at least, I, I think uh, Batman Batfleck was probably the best part of the movie, arguably. I mean, there, you can make a case for Wonder Woman, too. She was awesome. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think is just an awesome representation of the character of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Um, I'm excited for it because, I don't know, I think he embodied the character well, seeing the 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 darkness, the level of darkness that the character went to with uh, with Ben Affleck at the helm. Mm-hmm. Um was encouraging and and it was surprising given the fact that we just came off the ridiculously successful and good dark knight trilogy right i don't think any of us were necessarily looking for a new batman Mm -hmm. um but when we got one heck i was really impressed and i mean i feel like there's so much more there to the character that we can explore that i'm fine with another batman movie coming out so soon 
Yeah, me too. And like I said in our Batman v Superman review, um, I just I wish that this <laughs> I wish that this thing came out before Batman v Superman and that their entire release uh, model was was different. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, however, there was <laughs> there was a really funny tweet that I read. I don't remember who said it or who tweeted it. And I I wish I did. If I if I did, I would uh, credit it. But it was someone on Twitter. I, I'm not taking credit for this on any uh, in any uh, way. It might have been Angie Han from slashfilm.com. Anyway, um, someone tweeted and said, and this is light spoilers for Batman v Superman. So if you haven't seen it, or if you're if you're if you want to be completely um, unsullied from Batman v Superman, skip ahead like thirty seconds while I say this tweet. Um, starting now, just skip ahead thirty or forty five seconds. So slight spoiler for Batman v Superman. But the tweet said, um, the tweet said that uh, the solo Batman movie is going to have Batman uh, finding finding. Uh, Martha Nigma and and Martha Freeze or or something like like <laughs> the mothers of all of his of all of his villains are going to oh be God. named Martha and that's going to be the end of it. <laughs> but I butchered that tweet completely. But uh, it was funny. If I find it, I'll link it in the show notes or something. But nice. um, good one. Yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> I might cut that from the episode. But um, but yeah. So I mean, you know, Batman, Batfleck, he was great in the movie with what he was given Ben Affleck behind uh, behind the scenes is, is going to do a hell of a lot better than Zack Snyder could ever dream of doing any of them. So I think so too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's a win-win really um, there. So we'll see, we'll reserve judgment until we see it, but I just, I'm yeah, Batman, the, it should be interesting. It should yeah. be interesting. Totes. Finally, our uh, final piece of news for the week in this episode is Rogue One, a Star Wars story. The trailer was released. Um, Tiny, are you prepared for what I'm about to say? Uh, well, since I don't know what you're going to say, I don't know if I'm prepared for it. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks for playing along. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I have not seen the Star Wars, uh, the uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story trailer. Really? Yes, because. I have made it my personal mission to not see any promotional material, not click any Star Wars link, nothing until I see the movie. Wow. So, yeah. I've seen some GIFs, but that's about it. Crazy. Apparently, Ben Mendelsohn has a cool cape, but that's the extent of my knowledge of it. So, what did you think of the Rogue One trailer, Tiny? Uh, I mean, I loved it. I mean, there's no way I wasn't going to. Um, The franchise is just really... It's really committed to this return to form kind of thing, which I think a lot of people think it was maybe too much of a return because one of the bigger complaints about, you know, episode seven is that it was basically just a rehash of A New Hope. Um, And I understand why people feel that way. But, you know, this is going back all the way to that original trilogy and pulling a story from it and turning it into a whole movie. And uh, I'm just really excited because we're going back to that time. Um, they brought us back to the universe or the, you know, this franchise brought mm-hmm. us back to the franchise with episode seven. And this is going even deeper. I don't know. I think it's, uh, I'm excited for it. I love the cast involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's going to be cool. Me too. Ryan Johnson oh. directing. Is that right? No, this is uh Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Ryan Johnson's doing episode eight. He's doing episode eight. Yes. Right. That's right. Okay. Which there was also, uh, <laughs> there was an also, also, there was also an awesome picture of um, of uh, Mark Hamill on on Daisy Ridley's back, 
like just like <laughs> while filming uh like on the back lot or whatever of uh of um well what is the studio uh pinewood studios i think okay um while filming episode eight, it's just it's mimicking the the scene from uh empire strikes back where yeah. yoda's on luke's back that's awesome so awesome but um <laughs> But yeah, so I have no no thoughts on Rogue One except for I've I'm excited for it just in in principle and I like the idea of them going back and doing these anthology stories and and filling in and all that and uh, and it, <laughs> you mentioned that you know people complained about um, the Force Awakens being a rehash and everything but I mean I actually I actually bought it on Blu-ray. Um, nice Matt Hurt, the guy who kind of trashed the entire franchise <laughs> yeah. a few months ago. Um, but anyway, I bought the, I bought it on Blu-ray and like, I've watched it. I, I thought about this and I've watched at this point between theater viewings and on the home video, I've watched, I don't know how many times I've watched, um, the original, the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy, um, the original saga. Um, I don't know how many times I've seen them in my life. It's not that high. Mm-hmm. Like I would say each one probably less than a dozen and the prequels even far less than that. Um, but at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, I've seen Star Wars, the force awakens more times than any of the other movies. Wow. (laughs) Because I saw it like four times in the theater and once at home. Wow. So anyway, so, so to your point about people being upset about it being a rehash and everything, it's still like probably one of the most watchable movies for me right now. So nice. Yeah. Um, what's the, what's the actress who's going to be the lead in Rogue One? What's, oh, um, uh, Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones. Yeah, Didn't she was in uh, the Danish Girl, and uh, no, 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 she wasn't. Hang on. No, she was in. Um, oh, the the um the um, Stephen Hawking. Uh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, the Theory of Everything. Theory of Everything. That yeah. I think was ridiculously high on my top ten list that year. I think it was number one. Wasn't it? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Which I still want us. I want us to do a special episode for our three-year anniversary i i bet you do yeah c- to rectify that <laughs> but anyway yeah she was in the theory of everything yeah <laughs> um, she's phenomenal in it she was nominated for an oscar oh right? yeah she was great oh she yeah. was great i, I love her she's yeah fantastic. oh she's amazing and I, i'm sure that she's gonna just be fantastic in it mm-hmm. um she's gonna be a ray of sunshine on it and she's gonna be just fantastic in it um <sighs> <laughs> you gotta haunt it to me that was pretty God, good. Stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, Can we move t- on to the yeah, next one. The tension in here is getting pretty chewy. What did you? Good God! <laughs> was was your thing a Rogue One thing? Yeah. Gotcha. Nice. I like it. No, it wasn't. It oh, wasn't okay. Nice. <laughs> the whole subtitle, a Star Wars story. I don't like that. Kind of weird. Yeah, I I think that it would be better served if it was like. Star Wars anthology, Rogue One, that would be that yeah, would just be that'd be cool. Good, Star yeah. Wars anthology, I'd like that. Yeah, but, uh, I don't but, know. It it just gives it a, it, it like um, it, it's it almost signifies like they're treating it like a B movie, sort of. Yeah, maybe a Star Wars know. story. I mean, it kind of feels like. I mean, I guess that title kind of seems a little in the spirit of um, old like movie serials. Um, okay. Which which was one of the big base uh basis um <laughs> for the original trilogy. Okay. Uh, it's that episodic kind of serialized kind of film. But um Yeah. But yeah, I mean is it gonna be is every is every standalone movie gonna be a Star Wars story? Right. Like 
Han Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah, um, that's weird. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But um, after The Force Awakens, I have faith that they're going to do something unique and interesting with all of it. Mm-hmm. Having said that, we should get ta- started on our yeah, topic. Yeah, that was a lot of news. That was a lot of news, and we were not equipped to cover it. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this week on the podcast, we have kind of a, an interesting topic for us. Uh, to discuss here and we like we kind of we were in a we were at a point where we um were basically at a, at a loss for what what um uh uh, uh for what topic we were going to do this week mm-hmm. um and we we pitched one or i pitched one to tiny and we ran with it and we were planning on doing it but then while i was making the list and everything i was like well, let's do something else because i'm yeah. just not feeling this one so we picked on this one which is TV one season wonders. Mm -hmm. And I think that this, um, I think, I I don't know if, I I don't know if all of these ones on uh, that we're going to bring up had full seasons. Mm -hmm. I think one, one at least definitely didn't. So we're not, they're not going to be truly like one full season wonders, but they're like TV shows that were canceled during or after their first season aired. Right. And, um, yeah. So in, in this little, this will be interesting because there's a lot of television out there um, and a lot of failed television that uh, fo- that gets a cult following either on Blu-ray or, or of late like um, uh, uh, Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. Like, um, yeah, so I mean, I mean, like there, there are shows that get a fan base and then when that show goes away, that fan, fan base becomes vocal. And some of these shows are, you know those cult classics and a couple other ones aren't that well known. So we're looking forward to it, but we encourage everyone listening to uh, email us and tweet us and everything and let us know what your favorite TV show. One season wonder is. And uh, yeah. So should we commence with our discussion? Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything I missed about the essence of the one season wonder? Well, I think of all the ones we're going to mention, I don't think any of them absolutely like suck or anything. The I think these yeah. are these are shows that weren't canceled because they're just not good. Mm-hmm. I think I mean maybe they're not fantastic or great <laughs> shows. And one of them kind of sucked. Did, okay, it's, <laughs> for me, for me. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, you know I think there's there was something to grasp or something to enjoy about all these seasons, uh, all these shows who only had one season. Some of them are phenomenal. Uh, and some of them are not so good, but I don't know. I, I I don't I don't think these shows were necessarily canceled because of their quality. I think it was just about you know they couldn't find an audience or this or that. I think that's I just kind of think that's worth noting. Yeah, that that's a good point. That's a good point. There were there are some in these in this in this list that we're going to talk about. Some of them are some of them are oh, some of them are freaks and some of them are geeks and everything. But you know. <laughs> And I mean, some of them, the, the, uh, the TV show studios, they didn't really, uh, they were in a place where it was undeclared whether or not they would renew it or anything, but. The studios just didn't have enough drive to get them done. They didn't, yeah, they didn't, they, uh, in their minds, they didn't flash forward to the future yeah. to see what kind of following they would have. They were um, too busy trying to control their own universe where they drive their fancy cars and fly their planes and groom their own terriers and. Dear God. <laughs> Studio 60. <laughs> Undeclared. Jesus. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was so ridiculous. Um, yeah, so so let's go ahead and, uh, like, I, 
we have uh, uh, six, seven, eight, nine shows that we're going to talk about. I'm going to double up on each one of my turns, and uh, I'm going to get us kicked off because this is kind of the these two shows. One of them, at least, is probably. I would argue that it is one of the most well-known shows on this list. I think so. Um, and with the most beloved cult following, um, with a very, very close second with your first one. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, so enough dilly-dallying. But um, <laughs> uh, the first show I'm going to bring up is Freaks and Geeks. And um, I didn't prepare notes for like when this aired and when, and when the shows aired and when they were canceled and what networks and all that. So bear with me. I'm just going to go through my uh, history with the shows personally from from my perspective. Um, so Freaks and Geeks, I didn't. I was a I was a late bloomer to this. I think that it was um, airing reruns or, or or something. No, I don't even know if that was the case. But I remember seeing it. Or I remember. I think I blind bought the DVD. Because of all the internet hype around it, and I mean, this is such a charming and and poignant and um, honest look at uh, te- uh, 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 youth in um, uh, the eighties, and mm-hmm. kind of nowadays, it's kind of, I guess, I don't know if I'd say fashionable, but it's kind of a trend where um, you get period period set shows like um at least in sitcoms too sitcoms and dramedies and and dramas i mean i'm thinking of this is a bit of a stretch but like mad men and uh that 70s show i think might have come before Mm -hmm. freaks and geeks but um uh and also now the goldbergs uh, the sitcom on uh on tv now on abc i think Mm -hmm. um so it's like these period set shows are, are you know pretty uh happening <laughs> yeah they're kind of popular yeah and and what i think what separates freaks and geeks or what what made me connect to freaks and geeks was just the sheer honesty of it um one of, like the the brain the brains behind it was uh paul feig who i read a couple of his books he has a couple um adolescent memoir books um yeah that are just, I mean, they are freaking hysterical. Yeah, like, the candor is just amazing. It's incredible. It's yeah. absolutely incredible. And some of the stuff that happened to him in his childhood, uh, he put into Freaks and Geeks. Like, yeah. uh, like the whole, the whole, um, um, part where, where he's running through, running through, uh, the school naked cause, cause the bullies took his clothes from, from gym class. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that was completely lifted from his real life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I mean, just freaks and geeks just had, it set out and it opened up or it set out and had so much potential for future seasons. Cause you had a very diverse group of characters, yeah. um, and, and store and, and characters from which you could mine really unique stories from. And it could be varied throughout it. Cause you had different, different sections of characters, different groupings of characters, the freaks and the geeks. And then even them had, even they had like supporting characters that, um, there was the episode where, um, busy Phillips's character, um, Kim Kelly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the episode was titled Kim Kelly is a friend, I think, or is my friend or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, but like, that's a very, like, that's a very kind of brutal, um, episode and, and yeah. very dramatic episode absolutely about her home life and everything like that um so yeah it's just a shame that this show didn't didn't last and they didn't give a chance i mean it delved into some really intense stuff there was a divorce aspect to it um if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, and I just remember one of the standouts. And maybe we can go through this point by point um, if if they pop out to us. But one of the like standout moments of the series for me was um, the Halloween episode, uh-huh. and the sheer empathy I had for Sam Ware in that episode, in the Halloween episode where he's out with his friends and he and he gets egged, and like he has that moment where he looks back and he sees that it's his sister that egged him, and it's just like that, like that just hit me in the feels because I can just, I could just like. This is a super insecure. I don't know what this says about me, by the way. <laughs> this is a super insecure teenager who has very uh, niche interests and and uh, things that he likes and all that. And he's he's coming into his own. This is his coming of age, and he's out with his friends. He's dressed up. I think I can't remember what he was dressed up as, but I, know, I don't remember either. I, I know that his friends were dressed up as as kind of nerdy things. Um, like he's kind of out of his shell and then he just gets egged and it's just like the the pain of that moment was just i i felt so empathetic toward him yeah and it was just oh that was it was brutal Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think one thing i think why the show has such cult following is because it has even though it takes place in the 80s and it's kind of in in several ways it's kind of about the 80s it's uh it really transcends generations you know Mm because i mean there's always you know freaks and geeks is just a it's just a term for you know an outcast and a i don't know arguably just someone who's really into things right if you want to if you will they're just Um, labels yeah right and and those those people exist throughout every generation uh including our own and so Mm -hmm. i wasn't a freak or a geek but there's like matt mentioned there's a lot of great ancillary characters who mm-hmm. uh who aren't necessarily freaks or geeks either and they they I, I think there's a character that you can relate to um in in this that anyone can relate to through the, the entire show um one of my favorite uh one of my favorite storylines is where uh the coach um or I'm sorry the uh I think he is a coach, but Gym he's the, the PE teacher, yeah, yeah. played by uh, Wilson, oh, Tom uh, Wilson. Uh, Tom, Tom Wilson? Is yeah. Tom Wilson, yeah. Biff. From, uh, Biff, yeah. Uh, uh, he's dating one of the main character's mom. Yeah. Moms, and he, the the character is a huge dork and a big right. geek. And Sam Levine. Sam Levine. No, it was... Was uh, it? I thought uh, it was Sam Martin Levine. Martin Starr. That was Martin Starr, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he's trying to connect with this kid that's right who's not into sports at all so yeah it's not like he has any animosity towards this kid it's just like he's trying to find a way to connect with him and i think maybe the jock in me kind of related to that um i don't know so it's just there's those moments and and those those threads that like i said it, it transcends labels and it mm-hmm. transcends generations um it's just a it's a very universal show uh, while still being really unique, mm-hmm. um, and I think the show kind of suffered. F- the, the show suffered the trend of I think network dramas just trending out because this yeah. was on Fox, correct? Um, I'm gonna say it was NBC. It may be NBC. I can't remember, yeah. but it was on a network, and mm-hmm. I think this is when network dramas started to kind of take a downturn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when it started, but it wasn't a doctor, lawyer, cop episode or yeah, show. Yeah. Exactly, there was no procedure. It was a to procedural. It. Yeah, so uh, I think I think it suffered from that trend. Uh, maybe is I think probably one of the primary reasons why it didn't get renewed and why I don't know audiences just didn't. It didn't. It never found a big audience. Um, 
And I just think that's given its universality and its, its ability to connect with anyone. It's really a shame that that happened. Absolutely. And if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> shout factory just released it on Blu-ray. Um, awesome. Awesome. 75 bucks on Amazon. And Whoa. it is honestly, it's tempting. It's, it's tempting. <laughs> um, just to, just to have it cuz i mean it's a complete uh, uh hd transfer of it it's like it's a new it's a new transfer of it and it's supposed it supposedly looks like incredible wow um so yeah if you want to donate 75 dollars for me to own this uh <laughs> please uh do that nice. um so yeah uh, so yeah that's freaks and geeks and kind of the kind of, i said i was going to double up on this one and I'm going to stand by that. Um, kind of a, not really a, a continuation of Freaks and Geeks, but it was a, a spirited successor kind of yeah. thing. A year or two after Freaks and Geeks was canceled, uh, Judd Apatow, uh, who was one of the executive producers on Freaks and Geeks, he, uh, he, he started Undeclared in, uh, on, I think it was on Fox. And Undeclared was a brilliant sitcom um, about college life and... Uh, college freshman and, and kind of discovering yourself and, and, and uh, adapting to the college life style. Right. Um, it wasn't as like heartfelt and poignant and, and uh, dramedy esque as freaks and geeks. It was more of a straight sitcom. Yeah. Um, but man, it was such a great show. It was. Um, and, <laughs> and it's, it's funny because uh, I, I actually, this is, I don't know if I'd say this is embarrassing, but this is just a um, this is kind of a, a note on my way of thinking in terms of, of social situations and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the summer before uh, I went to college for the for, for the one year I went to college, uh, I went to USI in Evansville. It's where I met where I met Mike, who is our podcast podcast co-host, who was on sabbatical from the podcast. Um, <laughs> like the summer before is when is when undeclared hit DVD because I think the show was canceled in I think two thousand two thousand one, um, or maybe two thousand two I'm not sure but anyway um it was canceled and it hit DVD finally um the summer before I went to Evansville to go to college and I just knew like oh it's apparently a really good college comedy so I was like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it and and see what it's all about and I fell in love with it I absolutely fell in love with it um. There are so many um like really talented actors in this in this show. Yeah. Um there's there's Jason Siegel playing a creepy stalker um or creepy ex who's infatuated with his uh long distance girlfriend is actually what what uh what the storyline is. Um and then Jay Baruchel is um the kind of the focal character or focal actor in it. Um, oh, what was her name? She was on, this is a poll, uh, Dawson's Creek. Um, uh, the oh, blonde girl. Yeah. I can't remember her name. I she hasn't done much. Either. She hasn't, but she was great in it. And, uh, also of course there was, um, uh, Charlie Hunnam, uh, pre Sons of Anarchy, obviously Seth Rogen, mm-hmm. um, and, and just a bunch of really talented people. And their ke- the the chemistry between the characters was fanta- fantastic. Uh, there's a great episode called Truth or Dare, where they kind of it the central like romantic subplot kind of reaches a 
uh, not a peak, but it, it reaches it reaches a big moment basically, and the way that that episode plays out is just so fantastic. I think that episode was actually written by Seth Rogen, um, mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> I think in the commentary on the on the DVD or on the on in the notes in the insert, um, Seth Rogen talked about how much crap he got from his friends because because in the episode he um he he kisses busy phillips's character and he and busy phillips were friends from their freaks and geeks days right and so he or i think it was that he felt self-conscious about it because it would seem that he that he wrote uh, (laughs) that he wrote himself kissing (laughs) busy phillips when they're actually really good friends and it was just kind of awkward for him so it was it was really interesting i think part of the notes is that if you look closely you can see that i have a boner which isn't i not that i looked but it's you know joking but yeah, and uh, also really great guest stars throughout the season. Um, I'm not sure if they had a full season, but um, there was an episode with Will Ferrell. Yeah, uh, that which, was a good one. Oh my god, it was so funny. He basically plays a uh, <laughs> a, a guy who lives on campus who has long since been out of out of school, but the students students at the school pay him to write their papers. Yeah, and it's just it's it's utterly fantastic it's amazing and then uh there's also an episode centered around adam sandler uh who right. appears playing himself uh we should have done that for summer sandler we should have just rewatch that yeah. episode yeah uh i think there's wasn't there an unknown kevin hart in an episode or two um yeah was there i'm pretty sure i th- think so he was like the christian guy <gasps> yeah. yeah yes he oh. tried to it tried didn't he try to convert or basically like get someone to be like really religious with him that's all i, I think really so yeah yeah also uh in the, i think the first episode jenna fisher is just there in oh, an episode wow. yeah um yeah it's it, it's such a great show it, check it out it's on i think it's on netflix and uh all that but it's it's worth checking out the dvd actually because in the dvd there's <laughs> like a uh, a special feature where it's like you it's a it's like a cd-rom special feature i think um where you can read the script for what would have been the first episode of season two had they had it, and it's I think it's like an interactive script where you can, where you're, while you're reading it you see like uh, uh, concept art for it, huh. which it's pretty interesting. And I mean, it's a pretty funny episode too. Yeah. Um, that's undeclared, and I don't know. Is there anything else to really talk about with that one? Um, I mean, yeah i I got into the sh- I got into both of those shows because of you. Oh, nice! I, I hadn't even really heard of them. Mm. Um, and then I we ended up watching them on DVD, and yeah, I developed a huge love for both of them as well. Um, yeah, Undeclared, nice. not quite as nuanced as Freaks and Geeks, but right. it was just kind of a different kind of show. It was just yeah. more comedy than anything else, so I loved it too. Yeah. R.I.P. Good stuff. Yeah. But I mean, all the actors from it are doing well, so... They are, yeah. yeah. Although, I kind of wonder if... In an alternate universe, it would be interesting to see what... Specifically, what kind of career um, uh, Charlie Hunnam would have had? Yeah, because if if like his, because like he hit it big with Sons of Anarchy when he did that, the, his like um, his accent for that show, mm-hmm. uh, which he's he's British, so he he speaks with an accent, um, which he has his native accent in Undeclared, and it's, I mean, just like his comedic timing in that show was really really strong. It was really good. Yeah, and I kind of wonder what his. Um, what his career traje- trajectory trajectory wow what his career trajectory would have been 
had he had uh, undeclared been successful and like a big hit and what if they would have um you know audiences would have been introduced to him there what would he be doing today yeah i wonder too also i think on his episode of nerdist he basically just came out and said he's like i i'm just not as good at comedy and i don't enjoy doing it as much oh so that's um, the answer then. <laughs> yeah i remember him saying that because i i remember him from undeclared and i thought yeah. he was really good in undeclared and so i kind of wanted to see him do more comedy but i guess he's just he's just a fan of the drums uh yeah fan of the drums yeah uh I just hate the show. <laughs> I just hate <laughs> Sons of Anarchy so much. Yeah. I don't like it. But, um, yeah. So that's Undeclared. It's available on DVD on Netflix, I believe. And, uh, Tiny, um, why don't you, uh, why don't we, I don't know how to, I don't know how to segue here. Why don't you fly over to the next one and, and fire up a discussion on this show? Dear God. If, if you couldn't tell from that incredibly smooth transition, my first entry <laughs> in this topic is Firefly, uh, which I, I think Matt's right. Maybe a very close second to Freaks and Geeks in level of cult following slash popularity. Um, it might even be tops. I'm not. I'm not. Maybe. Sure. I mean, it's it's apples apples and oranges. Mm. It's splitting hairs basically. Yeah. Um, but Firefly, remarkably popular now. Mm. Um, I mean, cult in a cult context cult following context um if you're unaware firefly was um a show created by joss whedon um i believe it was either soon after or maybe like during the conclusion of buffy the vampire slayer and i think angel went on for a couple more years um so i think he was kind of dividing his time between this and one or two other shows i want to say um but firefly is it's it's kind of like a one of the, the the most succinct way to put it is it's like a space western, um, and it has tons of those not only themes but kind of style to it. Um, the some of the characters have this kind of like kind of gunslinger like hired gun kind of um, bandit group kind of feel to them, and it's it's just very westerny, but it just happens to take place in space. Right. Um, it's it takes place after. There was a huge battle between two sides of uh, humanity, basically, and uh, one side lost, and the other got control of everything. Um, and the main characters we follow fell into the side that lost. Mm. Um, and they kind of uh, the main character, uh, Malcolm Reynolds, mm-hmm. Mal, Mal Reynolds. Um, I couldn't remember his last name, and it was Mal, mm. but uh, he basically makes his living he's kind of like a han solo kind of character um basically like a smuggler kind of thing uh makes his money wherever he can kind of um and he just has this crew with him and they just try to make their way through life and it's just it's just it's really just a space western that's what it feels mm-hmm. like and uh it man it it hits all those themes beautifully um because he has sort of this he has this big chip on his shoulder that he's this you know rough and tough exterior but Underneath, he actually cares about his crew and he cares about people and he doesn't, he doesn't rob from, you know, he, he's kind of, he kind of also has like a bit of a, a Robin Hood kind of thing to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he only steals from the privileged, the privileged folks or from the, um, those who control everything. Um, and so he's, he has this charm to him, uh, and you kind of have to peel back the layers of the character. It's uh he's just really well done. Um 
and he kind of gets thrust into this. His he and his crew get thrust into this bigger scheme, sort of, with when they pick up some new uh, some new people. Right, trying to be like cargo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying to be trying to be vague. But uh, um, if you haven't seen Firefly, just buy the DVD. It's on Netflix, yeah. but just buy the DVD because it's just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some good supplemental stuff on the on the DVD nice. package as well. Um, I don't have it on Blu-ray. I assume it's also very good. Yeah. Um, I, if you don't mind, um, go ahead. I uh, this this show is this is a show that is. Perm- still today permeating uh pop culture and, and permeating like just culture in general because yeah. um twice in the past probably three months at work i've overheard like like i overheard the other day um or i think this was a month or two ago i don't remember um uh one day i overheard people talking as they were coming into the building and like uh whenever someone comes into my building and I can tell that they're talking about a TV show or a movie. I tried, I eavesdrop to kind of figure out what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I heard someone saying like, it's, you know, it was, a, it was only on for one season, but the reason that it didn't, it didn't last was because, uh, the network kind of just like the network didn't air the, the pilot episode It aired uh, like the second episode. Cause it was more action heavy and that was completely messed up the continuity. And I was like, huh, they're talking about Firefly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even then like a couple, probably like a month ago a month ago a lady came in and uh just asked me if I'd watched anything lately that um I enjoyed and she mentioned that her and her husband or or fiance I'm not sure um had just finished watching Firefly and Serenity and I was like yeah that's you know those are great that's great um <laughs> so yeah so it's still it still has um a cultural impact today um and I would <laughs> It's been a while since I've watched it, and I will say I've said this before on the podcast many times, but um, the episode "Out of Gas" is like one of my favorite episodes of any show oh, that I've seen. It's so good, and it's amazing. It's one of the best bottle episodes I've ever seen yeah. of any TV show, um, yeah. if not the best. It's just so well done, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and really makes you. If you're not already invested in the characters, it makes you invested more invested in the characters. And it also just, it's, it's just such a great episode and it's such a, I don't know, it's such a great like love letter to the spirit of, of the show and, uh, Serenity, the, the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a really great display of Mal's relationship with the ship and what the ship means to him. Right. And I'm just a sucker for stories about that kind of connection. Yeah, me um, too. And I think the show has, um, just for again for me personally, one of the best theme songs. Oh, ever. absolutely, love it so mm-hmm. much. Yeah, totally. And uh, there was one other point I was going to make. I can't remember what it was. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I would, I would say for anyone that's for the two people who aren't familiar with Firefly <laughs> or are curious about Firefly. I mean, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I feel like a good, a good. Um, logline for it is, um, it's the story of, like, okay, what if what if um a group of Confederate soldiers after after the Civil War banded together to do outlaw things to survive, and what if all that was in space? Yeah, that's kind of how it is at the at the outset. Very and, true. And it's so it's so good. And uh, it's been a while since I've seen Serenity either. I need to break out the dvds and watch all this yeah me too but yeah it's a great show Mm -hmm. i think it also um 
I think it was canceled around the same time, within a year or two, of Freaks and Geeks. Probably, um, yeah. And it's same network, it was Fox. Um, I think, I want to say Freaks and Geeks was uh, NBC. Really? Well, Indy Claire was Fox. Um, yeah. And this was, Fox was just canceling everything. Oh, they canceled yeah. canceled Family Guy. Right. I mean, you know, Fox <laughs> Around was, the same time, too. Yeah, Fox was just like, screw it. We have we have 24, we'll be fine. Right. Um, and it just Ugh. got caught up in that, amongst other things. I don't think it was marketed very well. No. Um, the scheduling was all off. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's... Thankfully, it's found its place, and I mean, it got a it got a studio movie after a right. while, so that that tells you how good it is and how much people like it. Um, if you haven't watched Firefly, just do it because you'll love yeah. it. Even if you like sci-fi or westerns or both, it falls into both those categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I'll just move right along. Um, again, I'm going to double up on this one with two failed shows um, f- from Andy Richter, really. Um, he the, the first one is the better of the two. It's uh, Andy Richter controls a universe where, I mean, it's such a shame that this show didn't last um, or didn't really find is. an audience. It was so great. It is um, for the uninitiated to it. It's on DVD, by the way, and I highly recommend checking out the DVD because I'm astonished that it even came out with a DVD um, set. But um, it's such a great show. It's about Andy, who is a technical writer, I believe. For a, uh, I think it's like a weapons manufacturer or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Or like a very, one of those companies that you don't know what they do, like GE. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. And, uh, and it's just, it's just kind of a, it's, it's kind of a quirky sitcom, uh, show, basically. It's kind of a straightforward sitcom in that, not necessarily the work, workplace sitcom, but it, there's, there's some good stuff there. I'm not doing it justice, but it, a big part of the, uh, show is his his uh, crush on the receptionist um again, this is even pre the office i think uh-huh. um but it's it's just a unique and zany sitcom um and really just it just hit hit some really good comedic buttons there's an episode where uh conan o'brien pops up uh, it's kind of later in the season and there's <laughs> um what was it it was something like uh I'm, I might have this wrong, but one of the lines that stuck with me was that um, there's a scene where someone says, like, hey, I'm really sorry about your grandmother or whoever, whoever passed away. And <laughs> and he says something to the effect of, it's okay, she died doing what she loved, committing suicide. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's just so deadpan and everything. The, kind of one of the opening opening jokes of the entire series, if I'm not mistaken. And it, it featured uh, Andy Richter and uh, Paget Brewster was also in it. Love Patrick um, Brewster. Oh, she's fa- she's fantastic. She's great. Oh yeah. Um, but one of the opening, <laughs> one of the I think the scene opens the series, so it sets the tone for the comedy of it. Is Andy walks into work and he realizes that he's like freaking out because he realizes that he left. It's a Monday morning and he left a sandwich in his in his desk drawer. Hmm. Um, but unbeknownst to him, a coworker coworker of his that sits near him passed away that Friday at his desk at, at the guy's desk. Uh, and he wasn't found until Monday morning. <laughs> so the office smelled really bad. <laughs> and so, uh, I can't remember the exact, the exact, uh, lines, but it's something to the effect of Andy, not knowing the full details of what's happening, notices the smell. And, and he goes up to the front of everyone as they're kind of all looking very downtrodden and sad and everything. And he says something like, it's my fault. I didn't get rid of it. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> 
I didn't finish it. I just shoved it in the desk. And oh it's my just, God. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I'll get it all cleaned up and I'll get rid of it. I'll throw it in the dumpster. Oh my God. That <laughs> and, is funny. And it's like that, that setup is so out there. It's so weird. And so, so like, it's such, it's such a premium comedy setup. It's like, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a, an obvious comedy setup, but it's, it's handled in such a, um, earnest way i guess and, yeah. and andy's andy rector's um his his delivery of of uh of the lines and the way that he carries himself on the show is just so so great um that's you know a lot of, a lot of shows just wouldn't have wouldn't have the courage to go there mm-hmm. like that's it's kind of like a, that kind of jokes like dark without being dark right you know i mean because it involves death but you don't really see a body or anything right you know it's yeah I, that's the kind of stuff i I don't remember a lot about this show. Again, mm-hmm. I discovered it through you. Right. We watched it on DVD. Yeah. Um, it's just a really brilliant show. And I think I, I keep mentioning how I think, or the reasons why I think these shows got canceled or whatever. Um, I think, I think the show was too high concept for a network audience. Yeah. Cause you know, it's about you know, this guy has these fantasies in his head and um, it's people just, don't want that kind of complexity in their shows. They want something straightforward and simple. They want they want a Chuck Lorre show, right? You know, and, something and, borderline relatable, yeah, to an extent, right? And this is this show is too eccentric for that, and it's not even really that eccentric. It's right. a very it should be a very relatable notion mm-hmm. to you know have have the idea that you you can control things or whatever. You have these fantasies in your head or whatever. Um, Everyone has those, but for some reason, people just don't want. I don't know. It, it just it boggles my mind that shows like this can't find can't find an audience. Right. I, I think today a show like this would just kill on like HBO, yeah. or um, Netflix, mm-hmm. something like that, or even bit. on network TV because like this was a pre pre Scrubs era, true, which kind of had a kind of similar tone. Yeah. Um, and a few years later, uh, Better Off Ted was on which that okay. that ultimately got canceled too but it had a very like th- these two shows are like incredibly similar in tone okay. and style um but another thing about Andy Richter controls the universe is i found uh is like some of the humor wasn't that relatable but i or it wasn't like a relatable kind of comedy show it was more like a zany wacky comedy show mm-hmm. but i found a relatability in Andy Richter's awkwardness around the secretary and how it's just I don't. It, he sold the awkwardness and and uh, so well, and I was like, I I know how that feels. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, kind of my final thought on the show is that uh, another kind of standout is there's an episode. I think it's called uh, Relationship Parachute or something like that. Okay. And <laughs> like an example of how out there and weird and borderline, you know, borderline dark. Um, the humor was in in the show uh is that the episode is all centers around how um andy like andy's neighbor in his apartment is a uh is a psychiatrist so he gets like i think his cable was out or something he gets entertainment out of eavesdropping on uh <laughs> the the sessions that the psychiatrist has oh my God. and it's like a soap opera and so there's one patient that that the psychiatrist has who is this very gorgeous woman who her kind of the big thing she talks about in her sessions is how she can't she can't form a connection with someone and like she'll she's she's very uh sexually 
um, aggressive in that no matter what, any, any type of guy or any guy that she dates, uh, she'll like rock their world forever or <laughs> for like, for like, like, um, uh, regularly. But the second that they say, I love you to her, she's done. She loses all attraction and she <laughs> cuts bait and everything. Jeez. So <laughs> Andy, uh, uses the information to get into a pseudo relationship with her, or a relationship with her, um, <clears throat> strictly for sex. Yeah. And then the, the kind of main conflict of the episode is he finds himself falling in love with her. <laughs> and, uh, it's like, like just outlining it that way is like really dark and really, uh, disturbing, but it, it works in the context of the show. I can't really explain it. You'd, ha- you'd have to see it, but, right. um, yeah. Um, yeah, and so again, I'm doubling up on these, but this one is going to be brief. Um, about four years after Andy Richter was uh, canceled, uh, Andy Richter came out with uh, Andy Barker PI. Uh, Tiny, did you ever watch the show? No, I'm not familiar with it. Okay, it's uh, I think it's something like he was an accountant who quits his job for some reason and decides to start. I think I think he decides to start a PI. A PI firm or a PI company. Okay, that's just him, and and uh, he kind of he 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 his office is in like a strip mall, and there's a video store next to him, uh, run by Tony Hale. <clears throat> wow. And Tony Hale, this was one of his first like post Arrested Development shows, and so uh, Tony Hale is like obsessed with movies, and he kind of tags along with Andy 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 Barker in the show, um, uh, tags along with Andy. Uh, solving cases and stuff and he's always like making these like uh, movie references and stuff i think the um the episode titles i think it only ran for like seven episodes so it didn't even have a full season um <clears throat> but the episode titles are patterned after old noir uh movie titles so i think one was called uh dial l for laptop <laughs> and uh or something like that and uh yeah so it was good for what it was i mean it only lasted for seven episodes but i liked the concept of it and uh i think at the time i was actually working as a private investigator um for the company i work for now or the owner of the company i I still work for now but um so i was like oh a pi show with andy rector i'm a pi i like movies and all that so (laughs) i i gravitated toward that nothing like my job but uh that's neither here nor there but um but yeah, so Andy Barker PI, if you can find it, I don't know if it's available anywhere, but um it's worth checking out. Okay. So okay, um do you wanna do you wanna go to your next one? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Um up next is uh from two thousand six Studio sixty on the Sunset Strip. Mm-hmm. Um it was uh Aaron Sorkin's uh follow up project to uh um the West Wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like right after the West Wing. Um it's 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 a show that takes place it's it's kind of a behind the scenes um show about a SNL type show um a sketch comedy show and uh it's it's about the inner workings of what it's like to work for a major studio and be a really popular sketch show and dealing with the uh, the fame and and how you write a show like that and how you produce it and um all with the uh, the the stylings of Aaron Sorkin as the showrunner and the writer. Um, I I really like really really like this season, this show. I I, mm-hmm. I love it. There's no no two ways about it. Um, I've I've watched every episode probably four or five times. Um, I I'm just I just love Aaron Sorkin and I love his style and I I think this is some of his 
better work, um, even amongst the West Wing and, uh, you know, the newsroom, newsroom, sports night, sports night. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, um, the social network, you know, there you go. Social he, network, Steve Jobs. Yeah, stuff like that. I think this is the still American some, president. Still some of his best work, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, You're just you naming been... everything he's ever done. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Charlie Wilson's War. Charlie Wilson's War. <laughs> Which is another one I love. Right. Um, but st- I, just, I, I know Studio 60, I know you're not crazy about it. Um, and I know me and our uh, friend of the show and personal friend Greg Lenz, mm-hmm. uh, it's like his favorite thing ever. Yeah. Um, which it's not my favorite thing ever. Right, but right. I think it's really awesome, and I love it. Um, I, I think, I think what I love about it is just the fact that it's, it kind of breaks down how a lot of people don't think of TV shows or the, you know when they turn on TV and they watch a a show they don't think about how it's a business I guess right and you see a lot of that in this show you know you see how the producers and the uh, you know the, the presidents and the executives involved with the network um, have their hands in they have a say in how everything plays out um, and you have to how the writers and producers have to take into account that they are they're literally part of culture you know they have a mm-hmm. they have a voice and what they talk about is literally it's it's important you know people people still to this day talk about hilarious sketches from SNL um that are 25 or 30 years old um and and studio 60 kind of encompasses that and 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 shines a light on what it's like to write something like that and be a part of something like that and i think that's what i enjoy about it um but I, th- I think I know one of your complaints is that everyone kind of acts like they're saving the world on this show. <laughs> like they, they kind of treat their jobs like it's a little too, Im- like, like it's a little too important. Right. Like they're doctors or something. They're really, they're just, they're just doing silly sketches. Yeah. And, and I, mean, I, I get that. I really yeah. get that. I get that complaint. <clears throat> well, and I have other issues with it, I guess, you know, studio 60 in, okay. In the grand, in the grand scheme of, in the grand scheme of uh, uh, Aaron Sorkin's career, I haven't seen Sports Night. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen A Few Good Men. <laughs> and uh, I think I've seen, I don't think I've ever seen The American President. But honestly, I think Studio 60 might be down there, kind of low, really? like very, very low on the level of stuff of, <sighs> of his. And I mean, yeah, okay, yes. One of my big gripes about it is that, yes, everyone, it's not, it's not that everyone in the show treats their job like it's like it's saving the world or anything it's that it's that um aaron sorkin is and this is something that aaron sorkin does but in studio 60 aaron sorkin is using this 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 um this world that he's created um as a platform to talk about his view of the world and everything which is perfectly fine um, <clears throat> like one of the things that worked so great about the West Wing was it's an idealized view of politics and, and the American political system. Um, and it's a lot of Aaron Sorkin and, and his writers just idealizing the world in, in politics, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Studio 60, at the end of the day, it's about a sketch comedy show that comes on every week, which sure, yes, it is reflective of the culture and it is like, like comedy and satire. Satire and all that is um, a powerful tool um, to express the frustrations and, and express the um, uh, the viewpoints of, of people um, 
not really pushing an agenda, but to express the viewpoints of or the ideologies of of people in an in enter- entertainment format. Um, which that's all good and fine and everything. And Tiny, you mentioned that like uh, people are still quoting SNL sketches uh, for, uh, from like twenty five years ago. No one, no one's quoting anything from Studio sixty because none <laughs> of those comedy bits to me worked whatsoever. Like it just like once it hit comedy, it just fell flat. Like there was that whole thing with uh, them trying to force in the word Jesus Christ, and that was so funny. I do, I didn't think so. I oh. really didn't. Th- I thought that it was just so like it was it <clears throat> to me and like to each their own. But to me, that that comedy sketch felt just like more like, hey, look how clever we can be by saying Jesus Christ and getting around the censors, rather than it actually being inherently funny. And the same with the uh, crazy Christians thing. I was just like, that's that's more that's more agenda pushing and ideology focused than it is comedy focused. Like if if the comedy in the show was more refined and more comedically minded or more com- comedically something, um, it's just none of the comedy really fell through, um, or none of the comedy really followed through. If the comedy was better, if the comedy was more is was better constructed by someone in comedy then i would have i would have bought into studio 60 hook line and sinker um and the reason why studio 60 didn't succeed was that it was it was competing um like it was that i think was it was it on was it on nbc i believe so yeah oh wow Okay, if it was on NBC, then that's for some reason that's that that was the season that NBC brought out Studio sixty and Thirty Rock. Yeah, and there are two shows about the back the um uh, the back uh, uh the inner workings the inner workings of sketch comedy shows um, like SNL, but they were widely different in tone. And the reason, and I firmly believe that the reason why Thirty Rock succeeded. I mean, it was kind of touch and go, but yeah. the reason why it lasted more than a season was because it had the comedy. And yeah. I mean, there are apples and oranges and everything, but it's still at the end of the day, it's about a comedy show and we don't need to see like, like one of the big, it might've actually been the pilot episode, but I think the big, uh, like the big moment of the pilot episode of studio 60 or the big, like finishing part of it was, um, <clears throat> Was that they, they had their whole like like network thing, uh, the the meltdown at the beginning of it, and then to kind of recover from that, they did a parody of, uh, um, modern, uh, um, yeah, from Pirates of Penzance. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a long extended parody of uh, the Pirates we'll of Penzance. Be the very Pins model thing. of a modern yeah. network TV show. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, that's cool. It's not funny. I don't know why you're wasting time in this theoretical, um, <laughs> theoretical time frame of. Like, I mean, maybe the point, and this is totally me trolling at this point, and I hope Greg listens to this episode, but I mean, maybe the point of Studio 60 was to show an alternate universe uh, where uh, where Mad TV was the reigning champion, <laughs> because the studio, the analog to Studio 60, or the, the SNL analog in Studio 60 was just not, did not work for me. Hmm. So yeah, um, I thought that part was pretty funny. <laughs> to each their own. I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah. if you found humor in it, then <laughs> the more power to you because I could not find it. Yeah. Um, Never. Yeah. I'm and, kidding. <laughs> and I know there was a run of like three. There was a three episode arc 
Um, hilarious, hilarious stuff. Um, toward the end, that that really spoke to you when you watched yeah. it. Do you want to talk to that? Yeah, the, I mean, there's a part where one of the characters on the show has his brother is in the military, and he gets captured in Afghanistan, and uh, just I, for some reason, oh, I know why. It's because I have a brother, um, and I'm pretty close with my brother. Um, but like the moment he finds out about that, that part, I had. It's like one of the strongest emotional reactions i've ever had to a piece of art ever um just because it I, I just related to it so so closely and so strongly it just really i don't know like i just i i just like fell apart during that that scene and it was just really incredible so i i really loved that story arc and i think that that definitely has an effect on my opinion overall opinion of studio 60 um so i, I will admit that bias but uh well i mean i mean if you you know if you found comedy and like, if you found the comedy to be good, then more power to you. That was my main yeah. hang-up on it. Also, I felt like the the love story um, or the romantic subplot between Amanda Peet and um, uh, uh, Bradley Bradley Whitford, yeah, uh, this character, like that. I mean, that entire run, like I felt like there was no chemistry between them. Oh, really? Throughout the entire time, I was just like, oh my god, stop! Really? Uh, yeah, I'm more. I mean, I'm. <laughs> I laughed more at the sketches than I had investment in that sub, in that subplot. That's how much I I was not attached to it. I mean, at first I thought it was I thought it was forced at first, mm-hmm. but I thought after an episode or two they really started to click, and I really mm-hmm. I have the exact opposite reaction to it. Maybe I need to revisit it. Maybe if we do a summer of uh, Sorkin, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll maybe maybe I'll change my tune. That'd be nice. Um, then I'll be the then you know. Uh, watch some hilarious Nick Cage impressions uh, on it. That the characters <laughs> that's his only impression that he can do, but that's funny. No, he does. Uh, he does Tom Cruise hilarious. as well. Oh yeah, Tom Cruise. That's <laughs> impressions are freaking hilarious. God. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, <clears throat> if I haven't already driven uh God. this podcast into the ground, maybe we can flash forward to the okay. to my next day. Uh, my next one <laughs> let's do that yeah okay these will be brief um <laughs> i'll start with drive i think it came out in like 2007 it was on fox it's it's a show with nathan fillion it was um created or ran or executive produced or all of the above by um i can't remember his name but one of the guys from uh one of the one of the producers of firefly and uh, I want to say that I Tim don't. Minear? Tim Minear. Tim, Tim Minear. Minear. He yeah. was also the writer of the Out of Gas episode in uh, in a uh, uh, Firefly, which I previously mentioned that I loved. Yeah. Um, and Drive was a serialized show, uh, drama action show where Nathan Fillion, uh, <clears throat> he his wife disappears, and uh, he gets this mysterious. And this is all from memory. I don't remember much about it, but. He gets this mysterious like invitation to a cross country road race, like uh, like Cannonball Run, or um, I'm blanking on the the other example. That's Rat Race, from, Rat Race stuff, stuff like that. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Seriously, that movie's um, funny. Yeah, it's a cross country uh, clandestine um, road race, and the winner gets like gets like an obscene amount of money or something like that. <laughs> and I don't. Okay, so this show had its problems. It only aired. It only aired. Six, six episodes yeah six episodes and it had like seven and eight like in the can but they threw them online after it was canceled or something like that um and i don't even know if i watched the end of it because i was so 
annoyed that it got canceled and just bored with it um <laughs> by that point but i mean those first like four episodes um at least the first four or five episodes were like really pretty good and they had some really interesting like um um emma stones in the show yeah um um and her father in the show is uh uh um dylan baker wow and it's got nathan fillion it's got um <laughs> i almost just name checked a guy from uh 24 i think wow um, I can't remember his name, but um, anyway, and, and one of the reasons why it failed, and this is my memory of Drive, one of my main memories of Drive is that the reason that it failed is that Fox, in their completely, in, in their infinite wisdom, <laughs> decided that, um, okay, context for it, I'm sorry, um, context, Drive was released, or Drive premiered in, um, I think it was 2007, at that point in time, uh, 24, the show uh, that was an icon of, of, of TV in that era, um, premiered in 2001 after three or in, in, in season, in, uh, I think in season three or four of, uh, 24, they decided to do these big, like two night premieres where, uh, like Sunday night, they would air two episodes back to back. And then Monday night, they would air two episodes back to back. And then the next week they would have one episode on Monday at the regular time. Mm-hmm. And that was freaking amazing for yeah, 24 yeah yeah because it basically because basically the way the 24 was structured was it's 24 episodes and the first like the first batch of episodes is all kind of just like misdirection and setup of the main plot and like to have the first four episodes just dumped at you um in in a 48 hour time period was like bliss because it got a lot of the junk out of the way that otherwise you would done that but <clears throat> Fox, seeing that 24, a heavily serialized show that is contingent on a ticking clock yeah. um, and the structure that it's, that it's written as, um, seeing how successful it was with, um, how, seeing how successful it was with these two night premieres, decided to do the same thing with Drive <laughs> and premiere like the first like four episodes all in one fell swoop on like Sunday and like Monday or, or whatever days that they aired. So, <sighs> It it just didn't work. It like it just seemed moronic because, I mean, who's gonna sit there and watch four hours of a TV show? Like this is pre Netflix streaming. This is pre binge watching. Like before binge watching became this cultural phenomenon or cultural whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like no one at that time frame is gonna sit through four hours of a show in a two day period to get a taste of it. Like that's why you have a series premiere. Um, and have a good lead into it to get an audience and have them come back the next week. If they're going to sit there and like, if they're on the fence after like the second halfway through the second episode and they drop it, they've lost and they decide, well, maybe I'll watch it next week and see what it's like. They've lost two episodes of plot and it's a serialized show. It's like, it was set up from the start to be just completely unsuccessful. Right. Um, And the show was okay. <laughs> no, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty, I am an apologist for it. I haven't seen it since like it aired probably, but, um, there were a couple moments that were really, really cool. Like there's, um, I think it was the end of like episode three or four. Um, <laughs> and, and also I have a slight bias here because I, at the time that this aired, I had, I was on the cusp of about of a uh, about to buy my first car, mm. or I had just bought my first car. And my first car is the car that I have now. It's a 2006 Dodge Charger. So I, like I had like the like you know Mopar muscle 
in my mind. Right. And so there's an episode where um <clears throat> where Nathan Fillion is is he is like he's being held by a cop who like pulled him over or something like that. He's being very belligerent to him. He has him held like in a secluded place. Turns out that he's involved in the race or something like that. And it's all like it's it's all set up to show to to give him his car because he used to be like a wheelman for like bank robbers or something like that and his car was like uh i think it was a classic yeah it was a classic um um challenger nice and it was freaking beautiful it was like black it was like black and and i think it had like red racing stripes or something nice. i mean it was freaking beautiful and like seeing that and then seeing him just hit the road and i was like this i am so into the show now <laughs> and uh and then, like, it had a couple episodes where it kind of ended in a in a in a somewhat I don't know. It was kind of weird because it. I'm a sucker for a well placed like music drop, like yeah. uh, licensed music played um, over a montage or something like that. And there were a couple couple episodes that um, uh, I'm blanking on what one of the songs were, but one of the one of the songs like it ended it ended an episode where like Emma Stone and Dylan Baker had like an emotional moment where. Emma Stone finds out a secret that uh, Dylan Baker's been hiding from her or something like that. And it ends with like a montage of all the racers as they're going down the same damn stretch of highway. That's because I feel like the, the show could only film in a certain stretch of highway. So like the <laughs> scenery for the entire race is like the same stretch of highway. It's oh, ridiculous. That's, that's rough. Yeah. But it's, uh, it was really kind of awesome. Cause it was well, well done. Um, because it like they were like one of the big things was like Cape Canaveral or something like that. And there was about to be a, a shuttle launch or something and they needed to get to a certain point before the shuttle like blasted off or whatever. And so they can see the viewpoint of the, of the shuttle blasting off and it goes through like all the racers and goes through all that while, um, the song, I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's by, uh, the band block party. Um, and it, it, it plays and it's just, it's just, it, I don't know. It just, it's just, it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, they got into some really weird uh, stuff. Um, it kind of got a little too uh, dependent on mythology. Um, and it kind of it drew some comparisons from uh, people people to Lost in a negative light. Like it was just like, oh, oh, suddenly this person is a bad guy because we had a flashback to her something or whatever. And it was just kind of dull and i never even i don't even think i really watched the last couple episodes i dumped online but anyway drive was okay i wasted way too much time <laughs> talking about it but did you ever watch it tiny no but i mean it gets automatic cool points for nathan fillion oh yeah and he was yeah. like he was the uh tiny he was the driving force of the show was he me. he was i figured it'd be <clears> the cars <throat> yeah because they're the ones that drive uh-huh with the yeah. engine and the cars so the next show that I'm going to bring up, and we're running long, I think. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's fine. Um, The next show I'm going to bring up on this section is uh, a show that I still stand by as saying that it could have been such a great show if it had the proper like, – as a concept, it's amazing. And if they had had the right people behind it, it could have been an incredible show. Um, Flash forward. Agreed. Yeah, which uh, is based on the uh, Robert J. Sawyer novel of the same name, where in the novel, I think everyone everyone on Earth blacks out for like a, a certain amount of time, and then when they wake up, everyone has had visions. So in the novel, it's 20 years in the future, I think, or something like that. Okay. But in, in the show, it's like, I don't remember how far in the future it was. It was like a few months or something like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so they all have a vision of the future, 
and like it it played with some really interesting concepts for science fiction and all that and man if it just had the right staff and had the right people behind it yep it could have been so good and you know it the first episode was really good. It was. I think it hooked a ton of people, including oh, yeah. me. I was like, this is the next loss. It's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that was at a time where everyone was like, is there going to be, is this going to be the next loss? I think, right. it, I think it started airing like while the last season was about to start airing. I Something think. like that. Yeah. So it wasn't like, like, oh, loss just ended. Let's fill it up with, fill something else. But, um, but yeah, I think there was even, it was on ABC. So like there was even a, uh, yeah. There was even oh that's what it was it was um the show was uh aired like before the last season started airing okay and there was like a scene where like two people are in a car and then there's like a billboard for Oceanic that's Air. right yeah. yeah and the billboard said um perfect record or something <laughs> <laughs> like our planes don't crash or something something stupid like that like that's hilarious no PR department would ever approve that <laughs> but yeah um and it yeah so. But the show was the show was okay. It had some. I mean, if you want to see Seth MacFarlane play a play a, play an FBI uh, agent in the show, God, I forgot about that. Did you? Yeah, he that happened. <laughs> um, you know, seek out Flash Forward. I think it is on Netflix or it's on Hulu or something. But okay, I mean, it just it could have been so good, and it just it. Like it was almost, it was almost pretty good. It was almost, it was yeah. almost acceptable. But then, it just went off the deep end. I don't even remember really the plots of it. It got, it had a final, it had a a full season, yeah. and it ended in a point that was kind of expectant of a second season, but had somewhat of closure. Um, Dominic Monaghan was in it, and he played like a, a squirrely like villain character. Yeah, and it was like it was so cool to see him in that role, like coming off a of Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, it could have been so good. It really could have. And like you said, that first episode was really did hook me. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it ends on like kind of kind of a like the big like oh crap let's let's watch another episode moment of the pilot episode is that they uh, they're going through like video footage or something and they realize that there's some there's one person who was awake while everyone was blacked out. Yeah. Um, which that was kind of a main driving force for the for the season and. I don't know. I just, I, it just, it pains me to even talk about it because it could have been, it really could have been like a great show. Yep. Um, yeah. It but, just, it really lost its way too. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the last, like maybe the last quarter, the last third of the, the season run that it had, mm-hmm. it just, it felt like they didn't know, they had no idea where they were going. Yeah. They were yeah, just shining, absolutely. shining a flashlight into darkness on what to do with the characters and the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it suffered for that, unfortunately. Yep. And there was a great episode where I can't remember exactly what it was. Oh, um, also John Cho was in it. Yeah. And I mean, like that was that was when like John Cho, like I knew him from uh from Harold and Kumar, and like I was like, John Cho is gonna do like a, a drama series, and I'm like, I right. was so on board with that. I thought that would have been that was that was gonna be so cool to see. And I think he was also he's also in a Sleepy Hollow, and I think that's run okay. for a few seasons. But um, at that time period, I was like, man, I want to see I want to see him, you know. I want to see his dramatic acting chops yeah. um, <clears throat> in this cool sci-fi potential replacement for Lost, but that wasn't the case. But Yeah, it started Ralph Fiennes, um, yeah. who... Uh, Ralph Fiennes? Joseph Fiennes. Joseph Fiennes, yeah. Not Ralph Fiennes, Joseph Fiennes, uh, who is 
kind of notorious as an overactor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that came through. The iconic line. Yeah. Oh, my God. It came through <clears throat> a couple of times yeah. on the show because he was loaded, okay? Right. Oh, man. Uh, he played a, uh, a, I think, an alcoholic. Recovering alcoholic. Recovering alcoholic. And, uh, yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. Uh, oh, man. Courtney B. Vance. It, like, there's there's a gif where, that is that line where, where Josephine says, uh, like, his, his uh, it's a big emotional moment. It's a big dramatic moment where his boss is grilling him about why he can't remember something or something like that. And then he just bursts out and says, I was loaded, okay? And it's just such a really awkward delivery and everything. Yeah. And if you look at the gif or watch the video, like, Courtney B. Vance, he's he plays, like, his... Uh, um, Plays like his his superior in in the in the series, um, and like you just you can kind of just see. I, I almost feel like that take in that scene was like the moment that Courtney B. Vance realized like I'm kind of above this show, guys, <laughs> <laughs> because like the look on his face is like, and I'm not gonna get nope nope I'm gonna coast on this one then because <laughs> it's just like what the what just happened? Oh my god! That's um, funny. yeah, so. Yeah, so flash forward, it was, oh, ugh, it could have been so good. It could have been so good. Yep. But alas, it was not meant to be. Um, oh, and one of my favorite episodes of it was, I can't remember the specifics of it, but man, it was really, really cool. Because one of the agents in the show has like a crisis of conscience for some reason. I think that he, um, like he, I can't remember exactly what it was, but like he, uh, he, comes across someone who was supposed to be saved or, or like his, his flash forward, um, had s- uh, envisioned, uh, killing, I think in, uh, envisioned killing this girl or, or something like that. And so to protect her, he, I think the end of the episode is he kills him. He kills himself. Wow. And like, it was a really strong episode. Um, if I'm remembering it correctly, it's all kind of jarred here, but, um, but yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I want to read the book eventually, uh, to see how that's, does it because i love the concept of it but yeah the show just wasn't uh wasn't up to snuff and unfortunately now it's being discussed on an episode of a podcast yes about one season wonders yep uh so tiny do you want to uh round us out i would be happy to um this will be the third or fourth appearance of uh tim manier which we just we just mentioned Um, third he was a producer on a show called terriers Right, which was which aired on FX uh, before FX split into FXX mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, anyways, it was a uh, show that was yeah. He just produced it, and mm-hmm. I think uh, the creator was Ted Griffin, and uh, I want to say was the guy from the Shield, Sean Ryan. He was Sean one Ryan. of the uh, one of the co-producers or or something like that. Okay, yeah, the, show, yeah. the former showrunner for the Shield. Right, right, okay. Um, so it had it had some producing power behind it, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, the show was on uh, uh, FX in 2010, um, and it's it's about this. The main character, played by Donald Logue, mm-hmm. uh, was an ex-cop, uh, recovering alcoholic. Um, he becomes like a private investigator, mm-hmm. um, and he teams up with with like his best friend. Um, so it's kind of straightforward in that respect. Um, and the show had this really cool, it had a lot of episodic, uh, as- aspects to it, mm-hmm. but it had this linear storyline that, that kind of picked up in like the second or third episode right. and carried through the whole season. Um, 
that was really intriguing. Um, they were kind of they kind of like uncovered a uh, like a, a conspiracy. Conspiracy, yeah. Um, and it it played into a lot of the episode episodic storylines that they got themselves tangled up in. Um, and that was a really satisfying story. I thought that was constructed really well. Um, I, I, I really respect the balance of, um, a linear story while also having one-off episodes and, and one-off stories in an episode. Um, I think that's a hard balance to strike and this show kind of stumbled at first in that respect, but by definitely by mid season and, and through the end of the season, they really found a way to balance those two things. And I, I think they did a great job with it. Um, Unfortunately, the show was very poorly marketed, mm-hmm. and I think everyone involved admitted that at the end. I would say it was unmarketable, really. Yeah. I, mean, I think one of the issues with it was this, the title was just... The t- yeah. Yeah. The title you, was bad. Do you remember any of the marketing for it? Yeah. It all involved a little terrier dog. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, 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 people thought it was like a show about dogs and stuff. Right. And it's like, no, not at all. Um, people didn't know... <laughs> before the show started, the marketing leading up to it really told you nothing about the show. Um, and that's that's a huge problem. You, you need to know something about it. Um, right. Yeah, so it needed a better title. It needed way better marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there were a couple, like, little... Um, <laughs> little, like, advertising blocks. Not, not like, previews or anything, but just, like... Um, like kind of like teasers for it, where it was, where it just said like te- like terriers coming whenever, and it's just it's it was just a shot of uh, Donald Logue and um um uh, 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 Michael, Michael Raymond, Raymond James. James yeah who's awesome Michael actor Ra- oh he's fantastic um it was just Donald Logue Donald Logue and uh, uh, <laughs> Michael Raymond James yeah wow um they were just sitting like on a beach on a on a bench or something. With a dog next to them, and it's like this. That was the extent of the promo, uh, the promote, the promo for it. Yeah, it just said nothing. And again, this <laughs> this also came at a time when I, uh, uh, when I was, I, I think I had just finished working as a private investigator. And I was like, oh, I kind of, you know, maybe then maybe this will be on my alley. And <laughs> again, not really much like what I did, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> Until there's a show where someone is, sits in a car for eight hours staring at a house. <laughs> And uh, telling um, nosy neighbors that the police are aware that I'm there and I'm I'm a private investigator, then I'm not gonna have my uh, former career um, <laughs> depicted on screen. Yeah, um, <laughs> thank you for that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, if if you're interested in some very very candid discussion of this show, check out. Um, Donald Logue's uh, episode of the Nerdist podcast. Oh yeah, because I think he was on. He, they recorded that episode like days or maybe weeks or maybe even days after it was announced that the show was going to be that the show was canceled. Mm-hmm. And like just his just his attitude towards it, you could tell he was really disappointed and sad yeah. and stuff. But he's a guy who's just like Donald Logue's just been around the block. He's been yeah. in he's been in huge blockbuster movies like Blade and uh the ghost rider which you know whatever <laughs> sure but then he's been in like he's had small bit parts in tv he's just kind of done it all and i think he just kind of he really understands the business side of right. of this whole thing and he you know he got it he was like you know i, I mean we just we did we get underperform underperformed that's all there is to it mm-hmm. he's like i'm really proud of the work i think we did a good job but it just just we just couldn't find an audience you know right no one really takes all the blame for it um 
that's a really good episode if you want to hear extended discussion on the show. Um, but I, I man, it was really good. There's um, um you mentioned the show, uh, the the episode of Firefly out of gas. Mm-hmm. There's an episode in this. Was it the one with the flashback? It's a flashback yes. episode. Yeah, it's kind of about how the characters met. Mm-hmm. Um, Rockman Dunbar is also in the show, and yeah. he was. Uh, I think that's I think that's his name. He was really good in it. He was, yeah. yeah I think he's in um, the Path now in Hulu, which are, we'll have a bonus episode about that when okay. it concludes. But anyway, but uh, yeah, that that episode is another classic example of dedication to character development mm-hmm. and, and how it can be so important, um, and it it can really supply foundation for a story and, and developing a show and getting and finding an audience, getting an audience right. with the show. Cause I want to say that was like the fourth or fifth episode out of 12 yeah. or 13. And I was just like, after I saw that, I was like, I hope this show takes off. Right. Um, and of course I think maybe three, four weeks later, they're like, Nope, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Tim Minear was the person credited with writing that episode, but who he was also credited for out of gas. So wow. There you go. So he has a knack for that. Yeah. Apparently. Oh, yeah. Um, like strong character like mm-hmm. episodes. Um, I don't know if this show's available anywhere now. Netflix uh, or Hulu or anything I like that. I want to say it might be on Netflix, but I don't know. <clears throat> but, but I'm not sure. But it's worth mentioning that it's it's kind of funny in a weird way. Uh, this was brought up on on our bonus episode that I, I did uh, for Mad Dogs, uh, which was on Amazon, also co co produced by Sean Ryan, um, and. Like there's some interesting parallels between the two of them mm-hmm. <laughs> because, and and it's kind of interesting. Uh, what year did Terrors come out? 2010. 2010. Yeah, and uh, now it's 2016, and Mad Dogs came out. It's it's at, in the era of binge watching shows. It's on a, a streaming service where the entire first season was put out like in one fell swoop. And I'm sorry if you listened to that episode, but and this is rehashing it, but I brought this up before. Um, it's just kind of interesting to see the the dichotomy between these two shows because they're both horribly titled shows. Yeah. Uh, both have to do with dogs, oddly enough. Huh. Um, and Mad Dogs informs nothing about the plot of the show or anything like that. Um, and doesn't even really come into play in the show uh, that heavily. But um, it's just interesting that that show was – that had some – uh, a little bit of success. I mean, it didn't get renewed or anything. Actually, the way that it, the way that it happened was, um, Amazon approached Sean Ryan and uh, uh, Chris. I can't remember his name, but um, the other producer, um, about having a second season, and they pitched a second season to them. And then Amazon's like, "No, why don't you do this instead?" And then they're like, "No, we're just gonna leave it be at one season." So they like they chose not to do it. Okay. Um, there's a whole series of tweets that Sean Ryan. Uh, posted after it was it, like, man, I have so much respect for that guy. Yeah, because it's like he had so much candor in the tweets. He's like, hey, yeah, just you know, it didn't work out. We're very proud of the story that we told, um, and just we didn't want to, um, sacrifice our artistic uh vision for the show, um, so we decided to just call the day. And I was like, that's that's just that's a that's a perfect um way to. Uh, address or or announce that the show wasn't going to move forward. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway, Mad Dogs was was pretty good. Check it out on Amazon uh, Prime. But it's just interesting that I wonder if um, Terriers was released today on a streaming service. I wonder if it would have been renewed for a second season because people have the chance. Like like back then, like on FX, like they had those promos and everything, but they had one episode to go off of. And then they had to wait a week, and then if their schedules. 
uh, mashed up or if their DVR wasn't too full or whatever, they could watch it and decide from there. But like here, you know, we have the luxury of having it all at once unless you're on Hulu. But um, even then, they do a pretty good job of promoting their stuff. Right. Um, it's just interesting to think about the different eras of television uh, that we've both lived in. Yeah, and this was um, only six years ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, how, how quickly it's all changing. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's also... It's also worth mentioning if you're thinking about checking out Terriers and if it's available um, on streaming. I'm, I'm not sure if it is or not. It was on Netflix for a while, I think. But um, if you're thinking about checking it out, it's it like it it ends on a really like it tells a complete story and it ends oh, on yeah. like the ending of the um, last episode is really really well done. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. So that's the end of our discussion of TV show One Hit Wonders. We ran kind of long on this episode. Um, but so, so in lieu of potpourri, we're going to have a call in from Mike, our, uh, podcast co-host who's on sabbatical from the podcast. One of his, uh, after viewings, call-ins and stuff. Um, yeah, I, should I go ahead and announce the name of it? The yeah, name sure. of the segment? Yeah. It's going to be hopefully a recurring segment, uh, called Mike's pine tree perfume. <laughs> um, so stay tuned for that. And hopefully I'll have a, uh, a little, thing to, to play during it nice uh so yeah uh anyway um stay tuned for that uh and you know uh thank you for listening thanks guys hey guys hey matt hey tiny uh it's mike i'm back with another uh late night midnight after my movie I guess weekly installment of uh, my little mini potpourris, which I, I'm not sure what we're going to call them yet, but uh, my, my little uh, whiff of pine tree air freshener uh, in my car. So, you know, the guys and I, since I'm not able to be on the show uh, on a regular basis, the guys and I thought it would be a fun idea if I uh, kind of sent in, phoned in my thoughts about my weekly movie night. So... The idea is that I'm super tired, I'm driving home, uh, and I just got out of a movie. This week, I saw The Jungle Book, directed by Jon Favreau and starring some little kid. Uh, also, you get, there are several voice actors, uh, Bill Murray, Idris Elba, uh, most notably Christopher Walken is in there. Um, <clears throat> uh, anyway, really, really fun uh, pretty spectacular movie. Um, w my friend Jake and I were kind of both really surprised um, and not super excited going in. I, I wouldn't call myself a, a Jungle Book fan by any means. I know it's it's a pretty important uh, book and, and movie for a lot of people, but uh, you know, I was never really a fan. In fact, we were talking this morning about uh, uh, how this is one of many live-action adaptations of Rudyard Kipling's original work, uh, and I guess almost uh, adaptations of the original animated Disney classic. But we were talking this morning about the 1994 uh, Jason Scott Lee version, which is uh, the, pretty much everybody but me forgot about. And so not in the world, but of my of my colleagues, uh, they kind of forgot about it. So um, you know, I kind of went into this movie with really low expectations. I thought the trailer looked cool. Uh, one of the things we talked about with the trailer was how it, um, the, the 
the beasts, the, uh, the animals in the jungle, they kind of pop out of the screen in a way that they they popped out of the the widescreen format of your TV. Like, uh, you know, there's the black bars at the top at the bottom, which used to bug people before widescreen was commonplace. Uh, but the, the animals came out past those, which was kind of a cool thing. And so really that alone... Uh, made me really want to see this movie because I had a feeling it, it was going to be a, a feast for the eyes, something something to behold uh, in terms of CGI effects. Um, I don't know that I would call them perfect uh, special effects, but they were state-of-the-art, as good as it gets. Um, simple plot is Mowgli is a boy who grew up in the jungle. Uh, he isn't kind of, he's like not really sure who he is, who he belongs with. Uh, and Shere Khan, the, uh, the evil tiger, uh, wants him banished or killed because men, uh, which Mowgli is, can, can wield the red flower, which is fire. And so it's basically about, uh, Mowgli's adventures and who he meets along the way. Uh, a couple of missteps if I have to pick any out I really feel like the songs were shoehorned in uh, they do King Louie's song and also Bare Necessities with Baloo which which seemed almost to satisfy old fans of the cartoon but r- really um, particularly King Louie's song seemed kind of out of place I, I, I didn't mind the Baloo one so much I thought that was pretty fun but um, King Louie's song was uh uh, a little strange didn't didn't quite fit however speaking of king louis his uh little action set piece i guess i shouldn't say little uh his action scene was huge it was it was awesome the uh uh the gravity of the situation was um really came through so i'm i'm running out of words and that's kind of where this uh this midnight thing is coming along i'm feeling pretty tired and one of my contacts is like rubbing in my eye weird and so i'm i'm trying to like stay awake and also talk to you guys but anyway king louis was cool uh i have a feeling that little little kids aren't gonna like that very much i think it might be a little too scary uh for little little kids um I also thought that the the boy playing Mowgli uh, was not any better than your your standard child actor. Uh, in fact, he kind of super cute kid, but but uh, also a bit overacting at times. Um, other than that, the good stuff is that the the voice acting was incredible. The way they matched uh, the words with their lips um, was was really some of the best talking animal stuff I've ever seen. And what I really appreciated about it is um, in a lot of those types of movies with talking animals and, and action and movement, uh, the, the um, animals do human characteristics. They do human things like, uh, I don't know, brush things aside or, or use their paws in, in a manner that looks as if they're hands. And I really like the respect that uh, the filmmakers, John Favreau, paid to um, the animals being animals and not being able to, to move and really just using their claws and uh, so on and so forth. But um, the voice acting was incredible. The report performances uh, were incredible. I, I, I think I would be 
Um, I, I would be too hard on Bill Murray to say he was phoning it in, but you know, Bill Murray kind of has that droney voice that um, can kind of almost sound like phoning it in. But with a character like Baloo, it really works. Uh, so overall, the movie was was something to behold. State of the art CGI, um, as as close maybe as we're ever going to get to completely photorealistic. Um, really, really, really fun family movie. Uh, I can't wait to watch it again when I'm a little less tired. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you guys again next week with, I don't know. I don't know what movie it's going to be, but it's been fun. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other. Because I was loaded, okay?